Good morning, Bethel Church, and good morning to everybody watching online. My name is Chris Taylor. I have the honor of pastoring Antioch Church in Vero Beach, Florida. I'm certainly glad to be here with you good folks. Um, I, my last appearance here, uh, I think I cried through most of my sermon last time I was here. A lot of, a lot of burdens on me at that time. When mortality is looking you straight in the eyes, you're, you get a little tender-hearted. But I thank you for your prayers for me. Uh, my open-heart surgery went well, and I am on the mend from that. And certainly that burden has been released from me. So I feel a lot freer. So thankful for your prayers and thankful for the prayers of all the saints from around the country. It's just really humbling when it gets down to it. So um, thankful once again for this opportunity to be here, and I'm going to be taking our thoughts from 1 Peter chapter 1, if you'd like to turn there, that's 1 Peter chapter 1, and maybe you've had this experience as a primitive Baptist that you run into somebody that doesn't have the exact beliefs you do, maybe our meaning and belief, and you start to uh, share with them your beliefs. You uh, start telling them about election and predestination. They start looking at you and they start, what? What are you talking about? And then you turn over to Ephesians chapter 1 and show them where election is uh, taught out of there. Maybe go over to Romans chapter 8. And this the stuff they've never heard of. In fact, they think you're really crazy that you would believe in election and predestination, sovereign grace. Um, Really, that's really sort of strange. That's weird. I've never heard that before. That's really crazy. And maybe uh, I, you maybe have uh, tried to talk to someone that's an atheist. I know that we have a, a neighbor who is an atheist and just trying to share with them basic Bible truths, you know. And uh, they really think you're crazy. You mean that you believe that the, this world and, and everything in it was created in seven days, and I said, well, actually, it's six days. <laughs> and God rested on the seventh. You know, you, you're talking about six 24-hour days? You believe that? I certainly do. That's crazy. That really, that's, that's, that's crazy. And you believe that uh, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? You, you believe in that? And you believe that uh, Jesus Christ died on a cross and he was buried and three days and three nights he came forth out of the grave and not only that he came out alive he just he ascended to heaven you believe that I certainly do well that's just that's you know that's just crazy and well just face it brothers and sisters we are never going to be the norm as Christians or primitive Baptists we will never be the norm we will never be cool <laughs> And I think it's a mistake to try to be cool. And everybody's tried to make Christianity cool over the years. I mean, I've seen uh, skateboard ministries and, you know, instead of sermons, they have plays and they have uh, uh, music programs. They have Christian rock. <laughs> and as the great philosopher Hank Hill said, uh, your music didn't make Christianity cool. It just made rock and roll bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth you know and you know that people don't wear suits anymore they don't wear coats they don't wear ties instead of the old you know preacher hairdos now they got spiky hair or long hair wearing denim coats stuff like that 
doing everything they can do to make Christianity cool. Well, the moment you try to make Christianity cool is the moment that you rob the gospel of its power. And, you know, and, and I, w- I always talk to these people who didn't believe, you know, basic Bible doctrines or didn't believe primitive Baptist doctrines. And I, th- I, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe if I make, they think I'm cool. You know, if they make myself cool, maybe they'll follow me and believe that. But the, the moment you try to make Christianity cool is the, is the moment that you rob yourself of your unique identity that Christ has given you. Hate to break it to you, but Christianity is not cool. And most people think it's strange when they get down to it. But you know, the followers of Christ have always been peculiar and unpopular, haven't they? In in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it says, looking for that blessed hope. I love that phrase, looking for that blessed hope. One of the longtime deacons, Brother Carter of my church, has that on his gravestone, looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of our Savior. He says, a glorious appearing of our great God. Talking about Jesus Christ. There's one of your proof texts that Jesus Christ just wasn't a man. He wasn't a good man. He wasn't a great man. He was the God man. In fact, he was God. God came in the flesh. And Jesus Christ came here, what? He came here that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And so that he could purify unto himself, what? A peculiar people. Now, we might use that word peculiar different than the Bible does, but I think it has basically the same meaning. We're unique. (laughs) We're different. And God, who made you to differ? It's God that made you unique and made you to differ. So you are not sent here, and you're not created, and you're not on the face of the earth so that you can fit in, that you can be part of the popular crowd, be modern. But you are here to stand out. Not blend in, you are here to stand out and stand up for the truth, and that will never be cool. And if you, if you go look at John chapter 6, what's happening at the beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry, in the beginning of that chapter, he's healing and he's uh, feeding the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes, and there's big crowds following him, and then suddenly he comes out with this thing, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to thee, I will in no wise cast out. He talks about, he's told them, I am the bread come down from heaven. And there's people in the crowd that know Jesus Christ. They know his mom and his daddy. Wait a minute. We know his mom and dad. We're neighbors. What is this thing? I come down from heaven. You know you don't. You come from Nazareth. We know where you come from. And, uh. And guess what? The big crowds left when he started preaching this. And then the disciples left. And guess who remained? The peculiar people. About 12 people stayed. And he looked at them and said, will you also go away? Whom shall we go to? Thou hast the words of eternal life. This, this may, and I know it seems crazy. You were popular Jesus Christ, you were popular, had the big crowds following you, but suddenly there's no crowds following you. It's just us 12. And why is that? Because Jesus Christ knew it was better to stand for the truth than to blend in with the crowd. So 
the crowds left, the disciples left, only the 12 left. And so the people left because this does not compute. This does not compute. But let's look at our scripture here. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter is going to teach us about this situation. He's going to tell us and teach us to quit being cool and try to be a little crazy. It, embrace the crazy. <clears throat> now, there are some crazy primitive Baptists <laughs> that are a little too crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, 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 they love to dwell in their weirdness and uniqueness. That's, that's narcissism by another name. I'm not saying to be that weird. But I'm saying if you stand for the basic truths of the Bible, you are automatically earmarked and marked out by the world as different and unusual and weird. And I'm here to tell you, and Peter's here to tell you, that that's okay. Look at, uh, and by the way, we need to be standing up for the truth no matter how weird that makes us, makes us seem or uh, seem to other people. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, it says, Whosoever will deny me before men, I will also deny before my father. Got that? I don't want that to happen. Uh, <clears throat> now, that doesn't give us a license to be completely strange, but it gives us license to stand up for the truth. So when I look, but when I look at the world that we're living in right now and what is considered cool, I, I'm glad I'm a little crazy, aren't you? I mean, everybody's coming out. They're all trying to be virtue signaling. Remember the day of the ribbons? You had to wear different kind of ribbons. They'd put probably ribbons and you know this color represents this cause this color represents this cause those days are past but now we have a new one it's called hashtag <laughs> I noticed that you guys are on Instagram congratulations for being modern yeah <clears throat> we're trying to be we're going online too we're trying to get the word out any way that we can but you know on Twitter and Facebook and all that and, and I encourage you to come watch us Antioch Prime Baptist Church on Facebook and our website come watch us and pray for us. But um, people, uh, now it's, it's not ribbons anymore. Now it's hashtags. You're going to hashtag this. And why aren't you hashtagging that? Aren't you hashtagging this cause? It should be hashtagging. Aren't you big in your virtual signaling? You know, and uh, you need to love this group. You need to hate this group. You go on Facebook. You go on Twitter. You go on Snapchat. And what are we all trying? We're all trying to be the person we pretend to be. You know, we only, only the good photos on Facebook, wanting everybody to be jealous of what we're eating or where we're going or where we're vacationing, all that. So I'm really, as I look at the world today, I'm really tired of trying to fit in. I just want to be who I am. I want to be the best version of a disciple that I can be. I want to have the mind of Christ, not the mind of the world, because this world is a world of lies. And in the world of lies, uh, believing the truth looks a little crazy. It will. So bottom line, what's that bottom line up front or is that it? I like to bottom line it too. Everybody's coming. Preacher, I wish you'd keep, quit talking around that thing. Say what you mean. So the bottom line is cool Christianity is compromised Christianity. Progressive Christianity is what? Is... Uh, <clears throat> pagan Christianity. A radical Christianity is rebellious Christianity. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. 
we think the struggles we go through, we think it's different. And it, it, it is different, but only because it's been repackaged. It's the same old lies repackaged. Because Solomon was correct. There's nothing new under the sun. So there's no new lies. They're just old lies with new marketing. That's all it is. And we have to keep that in mind. So when we preach and talk about the truth, we will be tempted because of the need to fit in, to need to belong. We'll be tempted to water it down, get it out. You know, and it's not, I'm not called to water it down. I'm not called to edit out the parts that are most offensive, you know, get rid of some of the things that Paul says. Most of the stuff he says is okay. But what he says about women, we need to cut that out. Uh, um, Romans chapter 8, uh, that's a little tricky. Ephesians chapter 1, that's going to make some people leave. No, we just need to uh, stand up for the truth, my friends. That's the purpose that we have. That's the reason that we're here. That's the reason God has called us for this moment, for this season, for this moment in time. Is for us not to be scared, but to stand up for the truth, no matter if it's in school, if it's college, or it's, if you're middle-aged or older, there's still a need to fit in. And there's a need to try to water it down when we just need to speak the truth, buy the truth, and sell it not, my friends. And it's okay, because if you do that warning, you're going to look a little crazy. And you're going to be maybe ostracized. You're not going to be included in. Just warning ahead of time, that's going to happen. But what do we believe that's so crazy? What do we believe that's so crazy? We believe in a three-in-one God, don't we? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Uh, one God with three personalities. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days. We believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to him but by the Father. That sounds crazy. I can't go to him myself. No, you can't even go to him by yourself. You've got to be drawn to the Father to him. We uh, believe in the scriptural authority. We believe, I'm, you know, as Warren Wiersbe used to say, when we have our Bibles open, God opens his mouth. When we close our Bibles, God closes his mouth. Because what is this? This is the full message of God. I used to ask as a kid, why isn't he breaking open Red Seas anymore, leveling mountains? He doesn't need to do that anymore because we have the whole word of God. Did you know that this Bible, this is God speaking to you? And that's how special it is. So we reverence, we know the authority of God's word and it lives in even to the day we live. Jesus Christ, we believe he came down. We believe he came down from heaven and was born in a manger. That he lived 30 years. That he was baptized by John the Baptist. And he went out and preached. And he healed. And he, uh, he created a lot of people walk again and gave sight to the blind. And then he did go to the cross and shed his blood. And shed his blood for all of the sins of all the elect. And was buried three days and came out of the grave. And now he ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of God. We believe in this. And we believe, as I said, we believe in the Bible. And we believe in all of it. <laughs> Don't we? We believe that there are two genders. Not 31. Because, you know, say, I was wondering. Sometimes I was reading Genesis and I said... He's spending an awful lot of time telling us uh, he made us male and female. 
uh, man and woman. Why is he wasting all this time? We all know that. Well, God knew that 2022 was going to come. And he knew we were going to need a little guidance about there's only two genders. He wasn't filling up space. He was telling us there's two genders and they're made for marriage. They're made to live in a covenant of love for life. And we believe that, my friends. Now that sounds a little crazy, doesn't we? We believe that life begins at conception, don't we? And uh, we believe in original sin that attaches to that person at conception. For we were dead in trespasses and in sin. And the only thing that can stop us from cracking hell wide open is the eternal love of Jesus Christ that was shed abroad. We believe that. And that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it's crazy good. <laughs> it's crazy good. Oh, my friends, we believe, we believe that God has chosen us before the fact that he, he loved us even before we existed. That is crazy. And God has blessed us and given us life and done all this so that we can serve others. He gave us gifts to serve others also. And we believe that Jesus Christ, as we said, was not just a good man. He was not just a great man. He was the God man sent down. He is the Lord of all lords. He is the king of all kings. He is the potentate of all potentates. And at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And that's, that's, that's crazy. But that's what we believe, isn't it? We, we love it. Now let me talk to you about three reasons why we are different and why we ought to embrace that. Because you know why? Because we live in a world of chaos. We live in a world of crisis. And we need to be reminded that it's okay. We're always going to be weird. We're never going to be cool. We're always going to be weird. But that's okay. First of all, my first, I'm going to make three points and I'm going to sit down. First point is we are elect and we are exiles. Two things can be true at the same time. Let's read our first verse. See if I can do it without my glasses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers. What's that next word? Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, we need to stop there a second, because who's Peter writing to? He says he's writing to these strangers, he's there, and what are they? They're scattered. What, what, what Peter's talking about here is, is the diaspora, you know, the diaspora when the Jews were scattered. Now, the first time that happened was when Babylon came, the Syrians to some uh, degree, came and took the population of Israel, took them away from their home country, and took them to a strange land to live. And that's, because, and that's the reason Jews were scattered all over the world. And they, they were scattered. Now, this worked to the advantage of the Apostle Paul because when he, when, he, when he traveled through Galatia and Asia Minor and even over in Greece, he could find congregations of Jews and their synagogues, and he used that as a base of operations to start preaching the gospel. And by the way, he used the Roman roads that were constructed. Oh, what a coincidence. Now he has transportation to get and spread the gospel as well. All this worked to the advantage of the Apostle Paul. Now, remember Apostle Paul, who is he? He's one of the 12. 
He is the author of this book. Remember, who got up on the morning of Pentecost and preached the great sermon there? It was Peter. And how many were baptized from that one sermon? Wasn't it 3,000? And that's right there in Jerusalem. And there's another 3,000. Well, the first diaspora dispersal, the scattering, happened for the Babylonians. The second time happened after Pentecost. So Peter is preached. And, and you've got to put, your, put yourself in the shoes of Peter. He's pre, he preached. He baptized, I'm sure with help, 3,000 people there. But the, this is his, these are his children. These are his loved ones. These are the first ones that come forward and believe the truth as he had preached it from the word of God. These are his beloved. He adores them. He cherishes them. And this is his congregation. These are his people. Just like you all are Brother Ronald's people. This is, you are his sheep. He loves you. He's your shepherd. He's guiding you. He wants to protect you from the poisonous plants and the enemies and the wolves and the bears out there. He loves you and cares for you because he's your shepherd. Same thing with, with the Apostle Peter. He's preached and here's three, then thousands more at it. It's a large congregation. Then, these are good times, right? Christians are fellowshipping. They're they're exchanging their crazy ideas about Jesus Christ and, 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 and enjoying it. They love it. They're talking about it. And then here comes the persecution. It always happens. And here's the, uh, it's the persecution happening. Why? Because it's the, uh, it's the Jews that didn't like the Christian. It's the Judaizers later on. We, we have them come in. See, the Judaizers are trying to stay cool. <laughs> They don't want to make that big leap into crazy land. Let's keep a hold of some of these laws, you know, so we're still accepted by the Jews and we're acceptable to the Christians. We will blend in. We, will be, we can't be cool, right? And then the Roman government steps in and they start writing laws. You've got to worship Caesar, the emperor, as a god. You think the Christians are going to do that? No. So they're getting pagans on one side, Jews on the other side, Judaizers and, and the Roman government, and then the dispersal. So everybody leaves Jerusalem except the church there. And everybody is once again diaspora, scattered to the four winds. And where are they scattered to? Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, Pontus, all these words I can't pronounce. <laughs> oh, they're all over there. They're all over the place. Now, once again, put yourself in the shoes of the Apostle, Apostle Peter. These are his people. And, and they were in one place where he could love on them and hug them and kiss them and pray with them and teach them. Now they're gone. They're scattered. But does that relieve him of the burden and love that he had for these people? No. So he writes this letter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, makes it, more, makes it more urgent to you now, doesn't it? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to strangers, scattered, dispersed throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Oh my goodness. That's, he loves them. And he wants to, you know what their situation is? They were in a cocoon of believers. They could go to the store together. They could work together. They could pray together. Now they're by themselves. 
They're scattered. Strangers in, you ever heard the term strangers in a strange land? You know what the word sojourner means? It means somebody that's not living at home. He's living abroad. Now that must be a lonely feeling. So here's all these Christians scattered uh, among these pagans and the Jews and the Roman government. And guess who's feeling alone and desperate? And guess who has some temptations to fit in? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to fit in, to have some people? And th these people need some comfort because they are strangers in a strange land. They're exiled. They're exiles. Now, what does that mean? Well, in school, did they ever have, you know, like kickball or something or volleyball or, you know, pick a game of pickup basketball? They say, okay, everybody line up. We'll pick two captains, and you'll start picking people. Brother Ronald's always picked first because, you know, he's, the great, he's great at everything. Yeah, he's good. <clears throat> but people like, you know, like some of the other us, you're just sitting in line holding your breath. Am I going to get picked? Am I going to get picked? And they pick in everybody except Chris Taylor. And then the last person standing there, is Chris Taylor. The la Everybody sort of, ha you've had that feeling. You, you can imagine what that feeling is. And <clears throat> you get picked last. Well, <clears throat> there's all these groups out there, brothers and sisters. Younger people know this more, probably better than the older people. But there's, there's a lot of groups out there that want you to belong. Want you to belong. You just go on the Twitterverse, you know. You got the climate deniers. And then you got the other climate people. You got the vax people and the no vax people. You know the vax people are the ones by themselves in a car driving with a mask on. That wasn't funny. <laughs> and then the anti-vaxxers who believe the sign of Satan is on every vaccine. It's put in your arm, you know. And then uh, they got the BLM, you got the LBGTQ, LMNOP people, then you got the, uh, you got the MAGA people, you got to have that hat for that. You know, <clears throat> and so if some, you know, all these new issues pop up every week. And if you've got an issue or something, when you come, everybody says, I, uh, you, you want to be included, you want to be picked. So here comes the issue. I pick you, the vaxxers pick you, the MAGA people pick you, these people pick you. Guess what? As a Christian, Prima Baptist, you will never be picked. You're always going to be that last person in line. I'm sorry, that's true. You're never going to be picked. Nobody's going to pick you. But guess what? Here's the good news. Here's the great news. is that God picked you. God picked you and elected you and adored you and loved you so much he picked you in his son, Jesus Christ, before time began. And then in due time, Jesus Christ would have you on his mind, not as a group, as a mass, but as an individual, as he is dying upon the cross and shed his blood uniquely and distinctly for you because he loved you and because God picked you. The world is never going to pick you, but have have heart. God has picked you. So we're exiles, but we are elect exiles. We're never going to fit in with the world, but we'll fit in with, the, with God just fine.
because he loved us. He loved us with an everlasting love. So everything is the new normal. But we reject the new normal. We are now the extreme. Remember in the 60s, you know, 70s, there was the counterculture. We are the counterculture now. It is how the tables have turned. Now we are the counterculture. We are not the, new, the normal. <clears throat> maybe in this part of Tennessee, maybe you're still that way. <laughs> not, not in the exiled countries like Florida. Yeah, we're, we're, it's getting bad. So we are exiled, but we are elect. Number two, he tells us we are blessed, but you are burdened. Once again, two things can be true at the same time. We're blessed, but we are burdened. Look at verse 2. It says, elect, chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Oh, man, is that great? Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. Wait, there's more. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Is that all? No, wait, Bob, there's more. Look at verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Is it getting good now? Who by, are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We are blessed. Amen. That's what I want to hear preached every Sunday. But verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice through now for a season, if be you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Boo! Yay! All the way up to verse 5. Now, boo! Heaviness according to manifold temptations that the trial of your faith. That doesn't sound great. Being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What do you think their temptations were? What do you think they, they were tempted to do? They were strangers in a strange land. They were by themselves. They felt they were, they're looked upon as crazy. They're, you know that crazy Christian that lives down the road? That's, he's crazy. You want to feel included. It's the natural feeling of every child, of every teenager, every college-age student, even us seasoned adults. We want to feel included. So that, I think that was one of their big temptations. Wouldn't you be tempted? Those Judaizers are starting to make sense. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we ought to hold on to a few parts of the law just so we don't get really persecuted. Wouldn't you be tempted to do that? Come on. If you look down deep in your heart, you know you would be. You know, somebody says, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, Nazis and Nazi Germany. If, if you lived in Germany in the 1930s and 40s, do you know that there's a 90% chance you would become a Nazi? Not me, Brother Chris. Oh, yes, you. If you don't realize, if you don't, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe in total depravity. You don't really believe it. You may say, every time Brother Ronald says it, you may say, amen, total depravity. 
But unless you realize the malevolent monster that you truly are, you will never understand amazing grace. I said malevolent monster. You know what a malevolent monster is? He's out to hurt people. A word, a word well placed at the job so that somebody doesn't get the praise they should. Maybe you get the promotion. Maybe they don't. Maybe a, a word well placed with a pastor about some other co-member. We are malevolent. We are at our heart, my friends. But So thank God for grace. You know they wrote a song about it, Amazing Grace. <laughs> Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I don't like that word rich. Take it out. No, that's what we are. We're wretches. But you know, we are blessed, my friends. We are blessed. But as we got down to verses 6 and 7, we understand that we're burdened as well. We're blessed, but we are burdened. Two things can happen at the same time. But thank God the Bible tells me my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, we're burdened. We can't ignore the fact that we are burdened with sin and the world and our three enemies. Uh, uh, the, our external enemy, the world, our internal enemy, the flesh, our infernal enemy, the devil. We have all this to contend with, but you have to, what do you focus on? We have a hymn about that too. Count your blessings. What you, you know what you focus on is what you will see. If you're focusing on the negative, you ever buy a product off Amazon? They have that four, is it a four star system? And they may have a hundred four stars. One one star. Guess what you're going to look at? I'm going to the one star. Because a hundred positives plus one negative equals one negative. In our culture, in our life, right? But the <clears throat> thing is, you're, whatever you focus on, that's what you're going to find. Like, I think it's called the Meinhof phenomenon. What you focus on is what you're going to find. If you're looking... For the preacher to mess up or the hymn service to not be as good as you expect, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find a bad sermon. Oh, that sermon could have been better. That was a little boring in the middle, don't you think? The hymn selection was not that great. You know, um, if you're looking to be offended, guess what? You're going to be offended. If you are focusing on the burdens instead of the blessings, Guess what you're going to focus your life on? You're focusing your life on the negative rather than the positive. That's the reason Jesus Christ says, have the mind of Christ. Don't be predisposed to the negative, but count your blessings. Name them one by one. And he names these blessings, grace, amazing grace, peace. Peace, not the cessation of, of war in the entire world, but you can live in the eye of the hurricane, can't you? While everything is going to, when you're living in this world of crisis and chaos all around you, you can have a peace that passes all understanding because you're in the eye of the storm. Mercy, my friends, we love mercy. It's what we don't deserve. It's hope, looking for that blessed hope. That Jesus Christ gives us. Uh, 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 being born again, my friends, that is a, such a blessing that we thank God for every day. That activates, that activates the spirit in our life. And that's the spirit of Christ with us. And it gives us power. Doesn't give us, you know, I'm not talking about willpower or self-help power. I'm talking about the supernatural power of God that he brings to us in the new birth. And we can have faith. That's a fruit of the spirit. That's just resting Upon God, resting upon something that's greater 
than yourself and joy. Joy. You know, the, in, the, in the Constitution says uh, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, you, if you want happiness, you've got to pursue it. And that's okay. You have good works to do in this world. But joy, my friends, joy is a gift of God. It's there in the new birth. It's just given to you. What did Jesus, you know, it's just a gift. You know how I know it's a gift? Jesus said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the curse of the cross, my friends. And yes, they had heaviness manifold, didn't they? Temptations manifold. But they had the real blessings of God to outweigh all the burdens they, they could possibly face in this life. Oh, my friends, that's the blessings of God. <clears throat> I don't want to be cool. <clears throat> I just want to live life the way God intended it. Blessings, blessing, my friend. And the burdens that we have, they're not always ours alone. Because we have the obligation as members of the church to share our burdens one to another. I was handed a prayer sheet when I walked in. That's part of the burden sharing, isn't it? We are to bear one another's burdens. And we need to continue in obedience. Can I have a few more minutes, Brother Ron? Okay, verse 13. I'm skipping a lot of verses. Verse 13, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. You know all the perversions out there destroy the beauty of that verse? Go look it up in another perversion. Look at it, it says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, back then people wore, I won't get too graphic, people wore robes back then, but when they were ready to, uh, compete in games or go to war or go to travel, they girded themselves up. That is, they tightened up their belts and, and made every certain nothing's flowing, nothing's, you know, it's going to be getting tangled with anything. So this, what this saying is here, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. It says, get ready. You're going into action. You're not a stagnant Christian. Get busy. Go forward. And as you do, gird up what? The loins of your mind. Because that's the battlefield. And the battlefield is to remain obedient to God. Verse 14, as what? As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, according to your flesh or the world or Satan, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. We don't say that word anymore. Be ye holy. Be holy. We are afraid of that. I'm afraid of that word. Be as which have called you as holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That's your citizenship. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. My friends, we need to get going. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Go into action. This is talking to us about our obedience. Our active obedience as children of God. We need to press forward. Press in. Keep moving. And as you go, he will strengthen you. And you will always find that you will find what you're focusing on. If you're focusing on your blessings as you're in action, you will live according to those blessings. But if you, you, you focus on the one-star negatives, <laughs> guess what? That's what your life is going to be at. So children, teenagers, scholars, senior citizens, keep that in mind. Walk. As a, as a weird child of God, 
Remember this, though, that you are exiled, but you are elected. You are strangers in a strange land. You're aliens. You're illegal aliens. <laughs> and, but my last point, and I'll quit, is that well, we have a home here, but we're not home. Have you ever been, have you ever been on vacation? Hope you all come. Go on vacation to Vero Beach, Florida. We have some wonderful places for you to stay. Hotels, you can stay in the Taylor household, free of charge. Come down and visit us anytime. But have you been on vacation and gone into a hotel room and you didn't like the color of the walls? Did anybody go to Home Depot and go buy a bucket of paint and start painting the walls? I didn't like it peach. I want it white. That's how. No, you didn't do that because you weren't home, right? I think our problem is we're trying to make this place our home. Too much effort we're trying to put into making this place our home. But because we may have a house here, but we are not home. As Brother Tim mentioned, we're pilgrims and strangers in this land. Why? Because we're living just like those people. These people that he's writing to, the scattered, the strangers scattered throughout these lands, that's you, brothers and sisters. That's me. He's writing this. Do you think he's writing this speech? He's writing it to you. He wrote it to those people, but he's writing it to you. Here in Tennessee, in the year 2022. Isn't that amazing? And he's telling you, don't be tempted to fall in with the crowd among whatever strangers you're forced to live among. Forced to dwell with. Because you have a house here and I love my house I love my wife I love my children I can't wait to go, go see them tomorrow I've been away for five days and I've enjoyed my time away but I'm ready to go home and I feel the same way about my heavenly home I love, love this life I'm living I love my friends and my family I love my children and my wife dearly I do and I want to spend as much time with them as I can. Every minute I can, I want to spend with them with joy and peace here on this earth. But I know if some, something happens, some tragedy happens, and it will, it will happen at some point. I have to remember, this is not my home. I have a home in the stars, beyond the stars. And then some sweet day, my Savior, Jesus Christ, is going to come back to collect me. If I'm not here, he's going to call me out of the grave. And he's going to give me, <clears throat> he's not going to give me a brand new body. He's going to change the body I have. He's going to change it and fashion it into a glorious body. A, such, I'm going to be an, an eternal being. And whatever body I have, it's not clear what I'm going to have, but whatever I, body I have, will be able to endure an eternity and enjoy an eternity in worship and service of my Lord in a place called heaven, a new heavens and a new earth. I'll surround the throne of the king and I'll shout praises to him for all eternity. And my heart's never going to give out. I won't need a new operation because I'll have that heart, that heart that he gave me in the morning of the resurrection, that will be able to love my Savior for the first time perfectly, without reservation, and 
eternally. What a blessing that is. Thank you for your time.